Welcome to Great Commission Ministries. Today's sermon takes place during the third Sunday of Advent. That is Joy Sunday. The text for today's sermon comes from Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 3, and it is entitled, Joy in This Season. Good morning. It is the Sunday in Advent which represents joy. We've talked about having hope, we've talked about peace, and now we look at joy. And today what we're going to talk about is joy in this season, this season in life that we are in right now. We're going to talk about joy and the reasons that we have for joy in this season. But in order to do that, we're going to have to go back. We're going to have to travel through time a little bit and examine uh, some of those reasons for joy. Now the text that you heard this morning from Isaiah, the first part of that text, you heard two weeks ago when we were talking about hope. And the reason being is because at the initial time that this is written, there's probably not a lot of thought about joy. There is a lot of need for hope, and a lot of desire for peace. Uh, When we look at the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah is a very long prophetic book. And Isaiah is, is believed to have prophesied during the reign of five kings, four kings. It would have been Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. So he would have prophesied through all four of those kings' reign. Those were kings of Judah. So we're talking about the southern kingdom, not not the northern kingdom of Israel, but the southern kingdom. And all during that time, there would have been this remnant that believed and trusted in God. And if you were to think what they would have been praying for, Joy would not have been something that was on their mind. What they would have been praying for was deliverance. They would have been praying for peace. They would have been praying for God to be present with them because during most of this time, they are threatened by foreign powers, predominantly most of the time by Assyria. And so there's this constant cloud hanging over them. There's this constant cloud of fear. And so... They're saying, God, could you deliver us from this? God, could you grant us peace? And it is into that sort of environment in which we hear the words recorded in Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 3, where he says that, He has come, he has been anointed by God and has come to deliver good news to the poor. Now there's two areas we want to focus on there, good news and the poor. Because in our modern day, when we see the poor, we think of one particular aspect of poverty, and that is financial poverty. That that is those who don't have materially those things in which they need. 
The question is, when the writer is saying that he has come to deliver good news to the poor, is that the only group of poor that he is talking about? Why? Because what does Jesus say several centuries later in the Beatitudes? Blessed are the poor, but he doesn't just say poor, he says poor in spirit. So who is the writer talking about when he says the poor? That's the first question. And if we look at once again what the nation of Judah is going through in this, during this time, there is a poverty of spirit. There is a poverty in those who truly do trust that remnant, this small remnant of individuals who truly do trust that the word of God is true and that there is a reason for hope. And I would surmise that this, when he says he's bringing good news to the poor, this is the group that he is talking about. Now, the second part is good news. What does he mean by good news? Well, when we look at this scripture, everything after the first part of verse 1 that I read, everything after that is the good news. Let's look at the text once again. So it starts out, it says, For the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. If you stop there, you just have, okay, he's going to bring good news. But everything that we're talking about after that phrase is the good news. He says, I'm going to bring good news to the poor. What am I going to do? I'm going to bring good news to the brokenhearted, to those who are brokenhearted. And at this time in, in Judah, there's a lot of brokenheartedness going on. They, they, Judah had, just like the northern kingdom, it had good rulers at times, it had bad rulers at times, it had times of plenty, it had times of few. And so now he's saying, I'm going to bring this good news to the brokenhearted. I'm going to proclaim liberty to the captives. Look at what he says. I'm, I'm, I'm proclaiming liberty to those who are captives, to those who are in bondage, an opening of the prisons to those who are bound. And then he goes on to say, I will proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And that would have meant something very specific to a reader in ancient Israel, the, the year of the Lord's favor. But he doesn't stop there, because then he says, and the day of vengeance of our God. So there's going to be the time of the Lord's favor and the time of vengeance. I would even, if, if, you, if you wanted to uh, make that uh, something that modern ears could hear, I would say justice. But just to understand that there is going to be a time in which there is this great favor of the Lord, but there's also going to be a time in which there's this vengeance of the Lord. And why that's important is because we live today in a society that only wants to teach about what we perceive to be the fluffy side of God. 
We'll talk about God's favor, but we won't necessarily talk about his vengeance or his justice. And there will even be those that will say that, but if it is truly a just God, then there, there would be no vengeance. But we also have to understand, and what we don't address often, is that our, the God that we serve is a holy God. And if we're going to talk about his holiness, we have to talk about what cannot be in the presence of that holiness, and that is sin. But we're also in a time, and I don't want to get ahead of myself talking about today, but we're also in a time when people don't like to talk about sin. But this is all good news. The every, every, all of this is the good news that... Isaiah is saying he is bringing to the poor. He is bringing good news to the brokenhearted, to the captive, the opening of the prisons, the proclaiming of the Lord's favor, and then the day of vengeance. And then he moves on into verse 3 and he says, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, because again, this is a difficult time. This is a hard time, especially for those who are amongst the remnant, those who believe. He says, I am, to you I'm going to give you a headdress instead of ashes. And the significance of that is that when, uh, when during times of great mourning, what would happen is that people would tear, rip their clothes and then they would put on sackcloth, which is very uncomfortable, and they would place ashes on their head. And what, what the writer is saying here is that God is going to take away that time of mourning. He's going to take away that time of ashes and he's going to put, adorn you with this beautiful headdress. Now this, we have to understand, this is prophecy not yet fulfilled. It had not been fulfilled then. It has not yet been fulfilled today because we're talking about a very specific time. So he's saying we're going to remove those ashes and we're going to put on, adorn you with this headdress. Of, we're going to give you oil of gladness instead of mourning. We're going to refresh you with this oil instead of this time of mourning. And why are we going to do this? That they may be called oaks. Oaks of righteousness. Think about that. Oh, think about the imagery there. That they might be called oaks, mighty oaks of righteousness that are, and what are they doing? That are planted of the Lord. The Lord has planted these oaks of righteousness. Why? He has done it that he may be glorified. Once again, we're focusing on, the, the focus is on God's glory. But during this time, he wants, he, he wants this, the readers to understand that there is a reason for hope. And that's why the focus there is hope. There's the Messiah is coming. He's not here yet, but he's coming. Hold fast. Don't lose hope. That, I know it may not seem like a time of peace, but you can find peace. The Messiah is coming. Trust in the Lord. And so you move forward a few hundred years, and then there is the birth. 
Jesus is among us. Jesus is walking the earth. And what are the people praying for? Because that has been a focus prayer. That is a focus for us, prayer. What are the, the people, once again, they're praying for deliverance. This time it is not deliverance from the mighty enemies of the Assyrians or the Babylonians. This time they're praying for deliverance of their nation from the Roman Empire. They don't even control their nation anymore. Their nation is controlled by a foreign power and they're praying for this deliverance. God, will you deliver us? God, you have promised us the Messiah. God, where is the Messiah? They're praying for this. They're praying that they might experience that joy of the Messiah being present. And into that environment comes the Messiah. A Messiah that walks into a synagogue and reads the very verse read to you today. A Messiah who tells them after he finishes reading the verse and folds it up and rolls it up and sits down, he tells them this scripture has been fulfilled in your presence. Verses 1 and 2. He did not read verse 3. And rather than be excited, rather than experience the joy, the Messiah is among us, rather than experience the joy that had been experienced by the shepherds that night, they try to stone him to death. They, they, they say, you are a blasphemer. How dare you say that you are the Messiah? Bottom line is, I, I, I doubt that any one who was the Messiah could have come and had people believe that because no one believes it's going to happen in their time. And especially for the ruling class, the Messiah especially could not come from such a lowly province as Nazareth. The Messiah could not be born to some, some poor day laborer named Joseph and a little girl named Mary. No, the, the Messiah, if the, when the Messiah comes, of course, the Messiah will at the very least be born into a religious family and probably the family of the king. And the Messiah, the joy that they're praying for, what they want is right there before them. But they cannot see it. And so they call for him to be stoned. They call for him to be killed. They call for him to be taken out. They were waiting for the good news. All of that good news that we express, they were waiting for the Messiah to speak into, to the poor. He, they were waiting for the Messiah to address the brokenhearted. They were waiting for the Messiah to do all of these things. And what they didn't realize is the good news was here. The good news was present. Rather than saying, we're going to stone you, what should have been they should have been saying is, Hallelujah! The good news is before us. But they couldn't see it. They could not see past the physical form that was before them. There's no way that this man can be the Messiah. 
even in his own home, when he goes home. It's not, hallelujah, the Messiah has come, the good news is here. They were like, isn't this Joseph's son? To which Jesus says, a prophet, (laughs) you know, a hard place for a prophet to find honor is in his own home. And so what do they do? They crucify him. They place him on a cross. And thank goodness for that, because it is that cross. It is the blood that was shed on that cross. It is that crown of thorns. It is that sacrifice that was made on that cross that uh, that gives each and every one of us a chance to say, God, we accept your gift. It is that cross that gives us an opportunity to one day stand before God and hear, well done, good and faithful servants. But we're now removed from the cross. We're in 2021. We are getting ready to celebrate our second Christmas with this cloud of COVID overhead. In the last year, this church, there's been a lot of loss, a lot of difficulty. And so you can look around and say, well, what are, what are we praying for? What, what is it that we are looking forward to? We, when we go back and we look at ancient Israel, ancient Judah, they were praying for deliverance. They were praying for peace. There was no consideration of joy. When we look at Jesus' time, they're still praying for deliverance. They want the Messiah that is present with them, but they cannot see him. They're praying for that, that ability to have that joy of the coming of the Messiah who's there. Now, Now we look at the current situation. What are we praying for? And there's so many different prayers. There's prayers for peace. There are prayers for hope. There are prayers for help me to get through this situation. There are prayers help me to get through this difficulty. Lord, help me. A lot of it is Lord, help me right now. But there is still a reason for joy. That's what we need to remember because we are in a unique situation, a situation that ancient Israel wasn't in and even during the time of Jesus, they weren't in because although Jesus was there with them, they didn't recognize him. We are in a time now where we can look back and know that Jesus walked the earth, that Jesus taught, that Jesus preached, and that Jesus went to the cross for us. We're in a time now where we can look back and know that we have a Messiah who prayed on his knees, Lord, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. We know we serve a Messiah that knew what was coming, yet he went to the cross anyway for us. We have a reason for joy. Yes, sometimes when we look at our lives, when we look at our individual situations, We look and we say, yeah, God, it's kind of rough. It's kind of rough. And all of us, if you're not going through that situation now, all of us have those times in our lives. I had a wise pastor, mentor, told me once that when you look at life, it comes in stages. You're either going into the storm 
you're in the midst of the storm or you're coming out of the storm. And then you have sunny times. But then it's back into the storm and out of the storm again. All of us are going to have those times when we look and say, God, really, why me? God, really, why this? God, really, why now? And sometimes, much to our chagrin, we don't get an answer. Sometimes the answer might be, none of your business. It's just the way it is right now. That's just living of life. But we stand in a time when we have a reason for joy because we know about Jesus. And to add to that, we are looking back and seeing there is Jesus, there is the example, he went to the cross, and we also can look forward knowing that right now he sits at the right hand of the Father, but he is coming back. And knowing that our Lord and Savior, went, he came the first time as a lamb to the slaughter, but knowing that he will come the second time as the Lion of Judah, as the ruler, as the King of Kings, is a reason for joy. Unless you're not saved. But I'm assuming everybody here is saved, Amen. Because if you're saved, that's a reason for joy because the king of kings will come sitting on his throne. The king of kings will come to say, well done, good and faithful servant. The king of kings will come to say, you are to be with me for all eternity. And I can't think of any reason, any reason more for joy than to know that I get to spend an eternity with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So even through hardships, even through difficulties, we all have a reason. We have a reason for joy. The good news, we look at it here. The good news has come. The good news has come. The good news came in the flesh, in the, in the person of Jesus. But the good news is also coming. When we look at verse 3, I told you that verse, two, verse 1 and 2, Jesus fulfilled when he came. Verse 3 has yet to be fulfilled. So if you are in those times of difficulty and strife and hardship, know that God will take away the ashes and he's waiting to place a crown upon your head in glory. If you're in those times of mourning, know that God wishes to wash you with the oil of gladness and turn your mourning into gladness. And why does he wish to do this? So that each of us might be oaks, mighty oaks of righteousness, not because we have made ourselves righteous, but because Jesus Christ through his blood has made us righteous. We would be mighty oaks of righteousness that are planted by the Lord for God's glory. And in that, my brothers and sisters, regardless of what 
you may be going through at the moment, find joy in a risen Savior. Find joy in a Jesus who sits next to the Father and intercedes for us. Find joy in a Jesus who one day at the sound of a trumpet and a great shout will return for all of those who said, Jesus is Lord.